Glory to God. Hope everybody in the balcony heard us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, geez, I drove in from out of state. So glad to see you. Sorry you had to sit so far back. <laughs> time be ready for next week our giving is primarily a form of worship all oh, no, wait let me try this again our giving is primarily and first a form of worship praise God okay hallelujah well Lord we thank you for this day we thank you for your love and grace and mercy thank you for all those who are here and all those who are watching by other means. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for the grace of giving, Lord. Right now, just uh, I'm reminded of a scripture when Jesus uh, was teaching in uh, Luke chapter 6. And he said, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together, and running over will be put into your laps, or will men give into your bosom. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. We just thank God for the opportunity to give into the kingdom of God. God is a God of multiplication. He's not going to be outgiven by us. He's not looking for our money. He just wants the seed that he can bless and return to you multiplied in a hundredfold return. Amen. Amen. And I am excited just every time that I get to, to give. And uh, so when I, I, I use my texting on the, on the app online to give like many of you do with your tithes and, and offerings. But, uh, but I, I, as soon as I have an income, right when I open the check, uh, usually it's in check form, that's what I get, and I just text from it right then. Tamana's is, uh, her, her income is deposited directly into her account. So on Friday morning, as soon as I see that, I, I text that time, and then I get mine usually mailed to me, and I text it when I get it from the mailbox, right when I get into the kitchen. So first thing I do is make sure I consider the Lord, and I'm thankful to be a part of his system because he's faithful. I don't have to worry about finances because he's, I'm participating in his program. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this day. If you would receive the offering. <coughs> seed that has been sown into the kingdom we thank you for your blessing upon it that is blessed to do your work and to as we are kingdom builders to do thy will and we just thank you for blessing it and returning seed to the sower a hundredfold return in jesus name amen, amen. glory to god well as we've already mentioned today is uh Palm Sunday. Next week is Easter or Resurrection Sunday. 
And so this is a very exciting time of the year. Amen. I always like to point out that it's really the most important holiday that we celebrate because without Easter, which is next week, Christmas wouldn't matter and there would be no celebration for Easter without the empty tomb. And there would be nothing to be thankful for on Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, praise God. This is Palm Sunday. I want to remind you of a scripture because I want it to be in your heart. I talk about it all through the year and always at this time of year, every week for several weeks. Because it's made such an impression on my life. And that's Luke chapter 9 verse 51. That says that the time approached for Jesus to be taken up to heaven. He resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He set his face toward Jerusalem. Some versions say. He made his mind up. What this is saying is that his, his, he lived 33 and a half years. He had a three and a half year ministry. And this was the end. He knew exactly what his destiny and his purpose was. And he was determined that nothing was going to move him from fulfilling his father's will and the plan that they had for his life. And I, that resolve is something that I admire and respect so much because he had so little to look forward to in this life from a carnal perspective. Amen. But how many of you know we're not to live carnal lives. We're to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. And by the Spirit of God, he was excited. Amen. He saw the joy that was set before him. Yes. He looked beyond the cross. Amen. Yes. He saw you and he saw me, Amen. especially me. And he was excited and happy. <laughs> he had the Old Testament. First, the Torah, and he had the, the Psalms and the Proverbs, and he had the, the prophets, and he had read all about himself. Psalm 138, verse 8 says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. So he knew that all he had to do was be willing and obedient, and it would all come to pass. He could rest in that, as it were, even though this was a, a great struggle. What was his purpose? John, 1 John verse, chapter 3, verse 8 says, Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Amen. 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 John 10, 10, he explained to all those Religious folks who think that God puts bad things on you to teach you a lesson. And Jesus said, John 10, 10, the thief, the devil, comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah. Hallelujah. He even told some of the religious leaders of the day in John chapter 8, um, in verse 44 he said you're of your father the devil how many of you know we were all were fathered by the devil I'm not talking about our natural fathers <laughs> I'm talking about the seed that was passed down ever since it was corrupted in the garden of Eden had Adam's seed in it and while we're protected for a while while we're young I was talking to somebody about this last night until we can make up our own minds and understand the difference and choose Jesus or reject him on our own, we're protected, but, but we still have to be born again once we know better um, so we can become children of God. That's right. Amen. Yeah. He told him, you're your father the devil, and it's your will to do your father's desires because they were trying to kill him. 
He was a murderer from the beginning and, and does not stand in the truth. He's talking about Satan. Because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his own character. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So the Christian needs to be aware of two distinct individuals. Isn't that right? One to embrace, one to reject. Jesus, the life giver. Satan, the life taker. Jesus came to destroy Satan's power over us. And to do it, he had to become like us, didn't he? To, so because God is just and he holds himself accountable to his own word. So he gave the authority of this world to man. They gave it away, so to speak, in the Garden of Eden when they agreed with Satan instead of God. And so it had to be a man to get it back. And so God became a man. That's Jesus, the second person of the Trinity. So that he could be qualified to be our, what? Kinsman Redeemer. Kinsman Redeemer. <clears throat> Hebrews 2.14. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, Jesus himself, likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. To the fear of death in all its various forms and facets. I'm talking about sickness, poverty, any aspect of the curse, all forms of death. And then the ultimate dying of the flesh. But death, the fear of death, is really the ultimate form of slavery. Wouldn't you agree? It makes people do things they wouldn't normally do. And Jesus came to set us free. From the fear of death. Praise God. Amen. Hebrews 2.17 says. Therefore he had to be made like his brothers. In every respect. What does that mean? He set aside all of his godly privileges. And powers. And became fully human. For a time. So that he could legally. Qualify. To fix things. <laughs> for us in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation or payment for the sins of the people so he had to become like us still totally divine but also completely human son of man so he could be qualified to be our kinsman redeemer okay now you did it All right. that's just an old testament term in the Hebrew, the word for that was goel, G-O-E-L. I've thought on this before. It just means redeemer, reclaimant. And God is referred to as this kinsman redeemer or goel uh, 20 times in the Old Testament. So as we enter into what is referred to as uh, Passion Week or Holy Week, uh, depending on what sort of religious background you come out of <clears throat> I say every week is holy amen. because you are a holy people amen. you are kings and priests amen. amen but as we enter into what is referred and I don't mind believe me I love it anytime they'll take a week and talk about Jesus in any way or a month or is the, is the as the or two as the as the uh, department the stores and the Commercial industry gets bigger and bigger and it stretches uh, stretches uh, uh, Christmas out as long as they can. Good. That's fine. We'll take opportunity, won't we? To talk about Jesus. Even if they're doing it in the wrong, in the wrong way. Paul said some pre preach Jesus out of, out of uh, ulterior motives. He goes, that's okay. Just keep talking him up. Just keep talking him up. No bad press. Of course there is. But we can fix it. You know, if he gets some bad press, it gives us a chance to step in and go, well, you know, here's the truth. Here's the truth. So go to John chapter 12. We're going to talk about Jesus today, okay? John chapter 12. 
and we're going to look into the event that is referred to as Palm Sunday. Passion Week, by the way, is referring to the last week of Jesus' ministry as our kinsman redeemer on this earth. Holy God, holy man. Amen. It's so vital this this last week of his ministry and life on earth. The sum total of all four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, about 85 chapters. Out of those 29 of those chapters deal with the last week of Jesus' life. Isn't that something? Well, that's over a third, huh? Yeah. So it's important. It's a big deal. It's what it was all leading up to and culminating to. So starting in John chapter 12, verse 12. So that's where John starts talking about it. And there's 21 chapters in John, so half. <laughs> Half of John, which ain't quite fair because the last chapter or so he's talking about after he resurrected, but still, you get the point. Amen. John chapter 12, verse 12. And this is just, uh, John had been talking about some things that he had raised Lazarus, his friend from the dead. And uh, he, had, he had been in Bethany which is where John and his sister Mary and Martha lived. And this was, I, I believe Bethany, I, I, I want to go, if I go ever get to go to Israel, I want to go to, I want to go to Bethany because I believe that was Jesus' favorite place. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, that's just my feeling. His favorite personal place, like his getaway. Of course, Jerusalem is important and the, and the temple and all that, that's where his father, but you, you understand what I'm saying. His friends were in Bethany. Jesus was always busy. People are always wanting something from him. They loved him in Bethany. They just loved him there. It's where he was baptized by his cousin, John the Baptist, as a matter of fact. It's about a mile and a half or so from Jerusalem. Anyway, they had had a big feast there for him as he was preparing to go to Jerusalem, setting his face to go to Jerusalem for this, this Passover, this last week of his life where he knew what was going to happen. And so he had just had this wonderful feast at um, Simon the leper's house, who's someone obviously he had healed of leprosy. Mary and Martha and Lazarus were there and all of them. And uh, Mary anointed his feet with the, you know, and with the perfume and all that. Wonderful time as he was preparing. And then, you know, and he knew they were going to kill him. And they were even plotting to kill Lazarus now. Because he got raised from the dead. <laughs> Poor guy. No, it was because they were jealous. And a lot of people were starting to believe on Jesus because of his testimony. So anyway, then we come to John chapter 12, verse 12. Jesus, there he comes into Jerusalem. So the next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast, that means everyone came to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. I don't have time to teach on the Passover today, but you can read up on it. Amen. Everyone who had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the King of Israel. Praise be to God. So there's a couple of Old Testament prophecies uh, being revealed here. And some great truths revealed about Palm Sunday. Verse uh, 12 and 13 that I just read. It said that they took the branches, the palm branches, and they were crying out, Hosanna. First of all, Hosanna, King of Israel, they were saying these things. This is the first time the people of Jerusalem had recognized Jesus as the Messiah. 
They're quoting Old Testament prophecies about him. So they're recognizing him as not only the Messiah, but also as the King of Israel. Amen. Amen. And they're saying, Hosanna. Most people think, or a lot of people think, Hosanna means praise. What it literally means is save now. Hosan is save, and then the add the now on the end, it's now. Save now. Psalm 118, verses 25 and 26 starts out that way. Save now, I beseech thee, or I pray thee. This is in the King James Version. It's that word, Hosanna. This is what it starts out with. In the English, it's save now, I beseech thee, or I pray thee, O Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, send now prosperity. He even ties in not only salvation, but he ties in financial prosperity with it. Because that's part of our inheritance. We're learning and growing, aren't we? Blessed be he that cometh in the name of the Lord. We have blessed you out of the house of the Lord. So they're fulfilling some Old Testament prophecy. And then look in, in uh, Psalm 107. Psalm 107, you may be familiar with verse 20. It should be because it should be one of your foundational healing scriptures. I quote it all the time. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all their afflictions. Amen. Amen. But Psalm 107 is the very first psalm in, the, in, the, uh, in book five of the Psalms. <laughs> and I'm not going to read... I'm not, it's a pretty long psalm, so I'm not going to read it all. But I'm going to tell you this. And, and four times in this one psalm, the people of God get themselves into big trouble. Different ways, different things. Just by straying from God and doing things their own way. We're all guilty of that. Read Read Isaiah 53 if you don't believe me. We all like sheep have gone astray. And that's why he had to come. Praise God. Four times they got themselves into big trouble. Doing their own thing. Four times they cry out to the Lord to help them. He comes and he delivers them. Then... Each time he says what his desire is from them or for them. So in Psalm 107, if you're looking at it now, if I look at it, I'm going to read the whole thing to you. You know that, right? I just want, I'm trying to make a point, so I don't want to get too deep into that. But in Psalm 107, in verse 8, I have these all circled and underlined in my Bible. Psalm, verse 8, verse 15, verse 21, and verse 31. Each time, he says, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. He's not getting on to them for crying out when they're in trouble. Not at all. He, he loves us. And he always will deliver us. How many of you ever done a bunch of stupid and God delivered you from it anyway? It's because he loves you. Even when you're not lovely. <coughs> so he's not getting on to them about that. He's always going to come and deliver us. That's his nature. He loves us and that's okay. But what he's saying is, I just, I just wish that you would give me thanks all the time. He's talking about a relationship change, a mind change, one where he is loved and appreciated all the time because he's worthy. Amen. Amen. One of the first things to go, if you ever notice, when hard times come in is thankfulness. Isn't that right? But we need to stop looking at our need all the time or our lack or what we don't have and look at what God has already done, what we do have, what he has provided. 
rehearse the victories he's already given us. Remind ourselves of the things he's already brought us through. Amen. Knowing that he's brought us this far. He didn't bring us out of bondage and slavery just like Egypt. You know, it's all everything in type and shadow. When they refer to Egypt in the Bible, it's always our pre-salvation self when we were in bondage. huh? And he didn't bring us up out of bondage and out into a desert just to just for us to die there, to leave us and forsake us. No, where he guides, he provides. Amen. Amen. And in John chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, it says, And Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Again, Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled here. Amen. Found a young donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Fear not, verse 15, daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Fear not. Fear not. Fear not. If anyone might have been afraid, it might have been Jesus. Here he was encouraging them not to be afraid. You know, fear not is the most repeated command in the Bible. We said, I didn't realize that was one of the commandments. Well, anytime you make it an instruction like that, that's a command, right? In the English language, right? So when I say command, it's the good kind, huh? <laughs> it's an imperative, right? Like, like, don't worry, be happy, <laughs> right? Cheer up. <laughs> All commands, right? But positive ones. You see what I'm saying? So fear not is 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 it's found in the Bible some 365 times. They say one for every day of the of the year. And you know, the first few times that it, fear not comes up in the Bible is in the very first book in the Bible in Genesis. So from the very beginning, God's saying, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Or as Tavana would say, it's nothing but a thing. We got this. Yeah. With God, you, you got it. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. What else do you need? If God is for you, who can be against you? There's a lot of evil in the world today, folks. Have I got to tell you that? More than a lot. It's rampant. I don't watch the news. And I'm still overwhelmed by all the bad news. I have a Christian news app on my phone. I, I get a few pop-ups on there from a godly perspective. And then what people tell me or sometimes I'll have I have two channels in my car on the radio. One is KSBJ Christian Radio FM and then AM 740. So I I get a little news on that if I'm in the in the truck and I'm not listening <laughs> to the word or something. But that's that's enough. That's, that's more than enough to hear about devastation and tragedy and things that I can't even believe my ears nowadays. And the reaction. The reaction of about half of the country and the defenses they put up and how they make victims out of criminals. It, it just... Blows my mind. It's a terrible, terrible situation. But still, God is on the throne. Amen. And listen, he's not the one causing the evil. God is not judging America. He judged Jesus on the cross for the sin of the whole world. Now, 
if you slam the door in God's face in every aspect of your culture and families, there's someone else who's going to fill that void and he's on the bad team. Good God, bad devil. God's not causing the evil, not the sickness, not the financial crisis, not ungodly government leaders or anything else that's evil. But I tell you what he will do and what he is doing, he's taking all that the devil meant for evil and he's working it for the good for his children. Amen. Amen. Remember how Joseph said in Genesis 50, I think verse 20, he said, hey, he said, hey, don't worry, brothers. Yeah, y'all threw me in a big hole. I got sold into slavery and carried off to Egypt. But you know what you meant for evil, God used for the good. Amen. Now he was second command, basically, in the most powerful government in the world. And he was in a position to help all of his people. Romans 8, 28 says, and we know. Romans 8, 28 and we know, say we know. Yeah. You gotta know some things, folks. Not just mental ascent. I'm talking about knowing in your heart. We know that in all things, say all things. All things. <laughs> that includes everything. I think that means the same. All, every. And we know that in all things, God works for the good for those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Yes. Hallelujah. We're living in amazing times. Amazing times. We are so blessed to be born at this time. Because God knew what was going to be going on when he when you were born in this particular time in history and you can have it. Ain't nothing but a thing. We got this. <clears throat> but listen, remember when they sent the 12 spies out to scout out the land, to spy out the land of, of, of uh, the, the promised land. And remember that uh, the reason that they had that, that generation had to wander in the desert and die out there before he let them come in. Because those spies came back and 10 out of the 12 had a negative report. Oh, there's giants in the land. They see us small. And so we, as they saw themselves small. <laughs> but two of them, Joshua and Caleb, had a good report. Wait a minute. They were bringing back clusters of grapes. Two of them, two men had to carry on a pole. He said, yeah, you know, the giants are big, but so are the grapes. And we've got God on our side. And so God got so angry with those 10 spies that they and, and all that generation had to die. That's why they wandered in the desert for 40 years out there. He wasn't going to let them go in with that negative because they all joined in on the, the negative team. All of the children of Israel, and they were even going to try to kill Joshua and Caleb for having a good report. Now, isn't that time like the times in which we live? Yeah. You always want to be a part of that Joshua and Caleb network, not the 10 spot network. There's always good. God is always working. And it's our job to point out that, oh my God, can you believe this terrible happened? Where was God? Well, God was in that, that little school teacher that, that hid the other children or, or died in their place. You know, or God was working in the, the first responders. God always there doing something. This is a fallen world. The devil's in charge with his, his army right now. But God has made a way. And all the promises of God in Christ for you are yes and amen. And you have power and authority. Amen. God's opening doors and windows of opportunity to both minister the gospel to a sick and dying world that's in darkness. And to pour out his blessings on those who love him. Amen. Amen, amen. Hearts are turning away from a flashy church mentality of smoke and mirrors to because they're spiritually starving. 
They're turning, people are turning from that by the droves, hungering and thirsting for the word of God and for the truth that really satisfies. It's the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life that truly satisfies, the, the water that keeps you from ever thirsting again. Amen. And the church is beginning to see amazing things. Wonderful things are happening. And we've entered in, I believe, to the beginning phases in the last couple of years of this third great awakening. And it could go for decades where the hearts of the people turn back to God. They get tired of the, the, this lie, of this woke nonsense, and they're really awakening to the truth. And away from the woke deception, seeing that that doesn't produce anything good, you know. I've been saying for 15 years now that the end times church, the bride of Christ, is going to be walking in power and love and adorned with all the gifts of the spirit. Amen. Yes. They are going to be essential in the last days. Yes. Yes. Still in John chapter 12, as Jesus is entering into Jerusalem there. John 12, 15. It's fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. Sitting on a donkey's colt. Not even just a donkey, but a colt of a donkey. I think Matthew's the only one that captured that. Part of the truth. Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, in the Old Testament again. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see? Another Old Testament prophecy being fulfilled. In John chapter 12, verse 16, it said that even his disciples didn't understand this at first until after he was resurrected from the dead. They didn't understand, you know. Well, you, you wouldn't have either. I'll be honest, probably. I, I know I wouldn't have. It, why? Why? Because even his disciples were still expecting him just to cut loose any day and just take the throne, be the king, a conquering general, deliverer. You see what I'm saying? And see, back then, kings always rode on a war horse, right? Even the generals had a, a you know, you measure horses by handbreadth like that, right? Up to the shoulder. And the general always had to have one one or two handbreadths taller than the, the other soldiers to show his prowess, you know? And the king had to have one even taller than that. Not Jesus. He was on a donkey. A colt. A lowly foal of a donkey. All four Gospels tell this story, which is unusual. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. They sort of all sort of similar. John is different. This one, all four, tell the story of Jesus coming into Jerusalem, but only Matthew's the one who tells that they loosed and brought the donkey and her foal. So the colt, you know, it, she would have been it would have been calmer with his mother next to it, believe me. <laughs> So that was smart. But Jesus riding, if you could just picture in your mind, and I mean out of all, all admiration and honor and love and respect, but here's Jesus riding beside the donkey on the little colt. And I mean, his feet might have been touching the ground. If they weren't, they nearly were. You know what I'm saying? It's just a real picture of the, our, how humble our God is. 
as low as he could go intentionally. You know, they say the, the God's greatest gifts are always on the, the lowest shelves where you have to stoop down to get them. So it wasn't as they expected, which was the next point. Nothing was as they expected back then. They were looking for a king, a general, a political leader and deliverer from their natural afflictions, right? Their circumstances, their, the temporal things in their world at the time. But he was bringing a permanent solution, a spiritual solution, which is what they really needed. Right? He came in. He spent that week. He enjoyed the Passover meal. He did everything he was required. You know, it's interesting that when Jesus was being, he's coming into Jerusalem on that donkey and they're putting down palm branches in front of him and shouting, Hosanna, King of Israel. When Jesus was being what they wanted him to be, they gave him palms. When he was being what they needed him to be, they gave him thorns. They needed a savior. And thanks be to God, he wasn't moved by the expectations or desires of men. He loved them more than that. Thank God for his resolve to accomplish his purpose in this life. Oh, that we would all have such resolve to seek God and find him and find out what our purpose in this life is and to set our face resolutely to complete that mission all the days he has written out for us that we would accomplish them. They did crucify Jesus. He allowed them to. He laid down his life. They placed him in a tomb and they sealed it up and they placed guards at the door so that he wouldn't uh, be taken all they were doing was proving our case helping us after all these 2,000 years Jesus life crucifixion death burial all the most well documented event in history <laughs> to be so long ago Just ask you to remember this week as you you can go on and read the rest of the week think about his love for us how he came to save Hosanna save now not condemn and just be thankful be thankful not as a law because, but because he's entitled. He loves you. He's good. He's faithful. And he's wanting that relationship with you. And when you, when you have it, you'll see how good he is. And you'll be compelled just to just thank him. Just start at your feet and work your way up. And don't be afraid. Peace I've given Peace I give to you, John 14, 27. My peace I give to you, he said. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's our part. Trust him. And don't put him in a box. He's not always going to do everything the way we expect him to. But he's faithful. 
He knows where you're at. He knows your needs. He knows your desires. He knows your heart. And he's working on your behalf. Lots of wonderful things coming, if you can believe. Yes. Amen? Amen? Expect great things, because they're coming. Amen. Amen. So as you reflect on all these wonderful things and his love and his passion and his great sacrifice on your behalf, he took your place on death row. All week. Just give him thanks. And when I see you again here next week, we're going to be celebrating. Up a storm. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you've done on our behalf, Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for your great resolve, your determination to carry out the plan that you had with the Father, with the Holy Spirit to come and set us free and to get back our authority here in the earth and give it back to us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for touching every heart and mind that hears this message. Bless them. Meet them all at their point of need, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If there's anyone watching, because everyone here in our midst has been saved, if there's anyone watching who has never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just do that right now. Repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe the Father raised you from the dead and that you're alive, to, that you're alive today. And I ask you to come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. If you said that prayer, I believe you got saved. And uh, now I just ask that, uh, and I recommend that you start asking the Lord to fill you with, the, with his Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is a separate experience, and you need this if you're going to walk in the power and victory to accomplish all the things that God has for you in these last days. Just ask Him. He says, He says, if you, how much uh, He wants to give it to you. He, he, his desire is to give everyone this gift if they would only ask Him. So just ask Him, Lord, fill me with Your Holy Spirit. And just begin to thank him for it. Begin to thank him. Thank him, thank him this whole week. And watch what happens. At some point, you're going to begin. Some words are going to well up within you. Just let them come on out. Just, But you have to participate. He's not, going to, he's not going to take over your mouth. He's not going to make you grab the mic in the middle of Kroger's and start speaking in tongues. That's just part of it. It's like buying tennis shoes. Tongues come with it. And you'll get some uh, words that come out. Might sound like baby talk at first, but just, just keep practicing and uh, and uh, you'll begin to speak in beautiful languages that you're not familiar with. And, uh, and this is just your private prayer language. It's not for anybody else, just between you and God. It cuts straight through this flesh and it gets you right into the presence of God. Pray the perfect will of God. Build you up in faith and in love. And those are good things. Amen. Lord, thank you for this day once again. We just love you, Lord. We thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for all the lives that you're touching. Thank you for healing people right now, Lord. Everyone who hears this message or is here in our midst, if there's a physical need, just raise your hand right now if you've got a physical need in your body. Hold it up. Hold it up for the Lord to see some act of faith required. Now, the Lord wants you well. He wants you healed right now. I want you to do, I just want you to reach up a little higher and grab hold of it with your hands. Grab it. Pull it back down to you. Receive it by faith. Say, I'm healed. God has sent his word and healed me. By Jesus' stripes, I'm healed. Hallelujah. If you'll believe that, you will be healed. Jesus said, believe you have what you pray for when you pray, Mark 11, 24, and you shall have it. The kingdom of God is backwards in that regard. You say, well, when I see it, I believe it. God said, you'll never see it. You believe it right now.
keep on believing it. Don't settle for anything less. Don't let anyone say anything the opposite. You just receive it by faith. The same with all of your problems. You find the promise in the Word of God that applies to that. You claim it in the name of Jesus. The same with your prayer. You don't have to be a big, big prayer warrior. You don't have to be a fancy talker. Say your prayer just like you would say talking to anybody, your best friend about it. Just tell them what the problem is. Believe the God for the healing. And the power is when you say, in Jesus' name, amen. That's where the power is. Don't worry about the fancy talk before that. Just get your point across. Believe me, he's pretty smart. He knows what you're trying to say. God's healing marriages today. God's healing bodies. God's healing finances today. All that red. I just see the Lord there with a with a with an eraser. It's taking all that red, just marking it all out, erasing it. And he's putting a big positive in black there. Reversing the curse there. All that. No more poverty. No more lack. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. Everybody been praying over your cards for, for next week. Operation Andrew. Believing for all those people that you want to bring to church with you next week. You've been praying for them now. Every day. Now you need to invite them to church. If they don't already have a home church, if they do, don't try to bring people here from other churches. We're not fishing in somebody else's pond. Amen. But if they don't have a home church, ask them to come. Bring them. Go get them. They need to hear the truth of God's word and feel the love of God, the power of God. Amen. I love you all. I look forward to seeing you next week on Easter. God bless you.